Okay, well, uh, good evening, everyone. Um, we're back to our study of the distinctives of Grace Bible Fellowship. We started this like uh, about last year or something like that, and um, this is the the eighth kind of lecture, eighth, eighth time that we're we're looking at this. Uh, we had that brief excursion on eschatology, but but now we're back to what we called our the the foundational beliefs of Grace Bible Fellowship. Um, these are the things that that characterize our church, or that that we at least aim to have characterize our church. Kind of the 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 fundamental things that we're all about. Um, these are the things that that make us distinct. And and by that I, I don't necessarily mean like distinct from other churches, but more just the focus is on distinct for us. This is kind of what distinguishes us. This is where we are focused. This is what we want to be all about. And uh, I, I, you know, I pray that these things really are true of us, that it's not just things that we say, but it's actually what we do. Um, you know, the, I, I know for myself, these are things that I think about all the time as a local church. And so um, they're, they're really important for us. And, and I pray that they really do characterize everything that we do as a church. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's been so long, I'm kind of like, should I, should I, um, ask what they, what, if you guys know them or whatever, but I think I'm just gonna kind of lay them out again. Um, this again, this is the final one. So the, the first one that we looked at was that we have a high view of God. Um, does anyone remember what, what we were talking about when we talked about a high view of God? What does that, what does that mean? What did that, what were the implications of that for our church? That he is sovereign. Yeah, we, we believe that for sure. Um, what else, what, what, what does a high view of God or what's it supposed to result in for our church? These are hard, way long back ago questions. Um, yeah, it leads into a high view of scripture. Thanks, Kevin. Um, high view of scripture. Uh, so when we talk about a high view of God, it means that the God is ultimate and not us, right? We're, we're here, not, not for what we get out of it, but we're here because we want to glorify and honor God because we want to do what, what pleases Him. And, uh, and that then leads to the fact that we need to listen to His Word, right? We, and, and that's number two, what we call a sufficient view of Scripture. And, and when we say a sufficient view of scripture, we don't mean like sufficient that scripture's good enough in the sense like it's, you know, it's, it's, it's sufficient, but we mean that it's sufficient in the sense that it, um, it's everything that we need for life and godliness. That, um, that scripture is enough so that we can live a life that makes God ultimate and that glorifies him in this world. And, uh, and so, by a sufficient view of Scripture, we mean that everything that we want to do as a local church is directed by His Word. Um, so a high view of God, a sufficient view of Scripture. Then we talked about a proper view of man. And maybe does somebody want to bring out what, what, would, what would be 
be included under a proper view of man? What does scripture teach about man? Good, dead in our sins, yeah, dead in our trespasses and and sins. Um, And then what else does scripture teach about man? On the more positive side, made in his image, right? So we, you know, that's what we mean by a proper view of man. Scripture teaches us that, that man was made in the image of God, that man is valuable, man is important, um, but there's something fundamentally wrong with us. We have sin, and that's what keeps us from worshiping and glorifying God the way that we should, and, and that's our, our number one problem is our sin, and so everything that we do as a local church as we try to minister to man, like we're, you know, again, we're, we're trying to glorify God, but how do we glorify God? It's by, by ministering to people. And one of the, the main thing that we have to understand about people is that they are dead in their trespasses and sins. And then even after we're saved, we still have sin. And that's what we're trying to help people to overcome and to grow in and to put off those things. So that's a, that's a proper view of man. Then thirdly, no, fourthly, uh, we had an ac- what we called an accurate view of the church. And we talked about that, I think that was almost, oh, I guess it was two times ago, but an accurate view of the church. We, we talked about the, what the church is, what our purpose is. We talked about the Great Commission under that. Um, you know, if you're, if you're, I, don't, I hate this phrase, but I'm going to use it. If, if we're doing church, we have to at least understand what in the world it is, right? What is the church? And what are, what are we supposed to do as a church? And, and uh, a lot of people and a lot of churches don't really understand that. But that, that kind of drives everything. We talked about how that's why we're open even during the pandemic and stuff. It, it's not just because it's comfortable for us or easy for us, but it's, it's fundamentally because... Um, of our understanding of the church. Then we talked number five about a strong view of church leadership. Uh, maybe that's not the best title for it, but we just talked about um, church leadership, elders, qualified elders that, that make the decisions that lead the church. Um, you've got your, you know, in, in God's economy, you've got the, the godliest people in the church kind of leading the charge. Uh, leading the way. And of course, there's a relationship between the elders and the, the people. We don't just uh, rule with an iron fist or something like that. But, but God has put the elders in charge, given them the authority to make decisions and to lead the church. And, and of course, in that, we're called to shepherd the flock of God and, uh, and help people to grow to be like Christ. So that is the ones we've covered so far. And then really the, the rest or, or really all of those come together then to make this final one, this final distinctive of our church. And I called it a clear view of doctrine, a clear view of doctrine. All the other foundational beliefs kind of form this one, this clear view of doctrine. Now, now why do I say that all the other ones kind of bring this one together? Why do I say that the other ones come together and, and make this the final foundational belief? And it's because a, a high view of God, a sufficient view of scripture, a proper view of man, an accurate view of the church, and a strong view of church leadership all have 
this in common, if you think about it, all of those things that we've looked at, those are doctrines, aren't they? They're, they're, um, they're doctrinal statements, right? We're, we're saying something about who God is. We're saying something about who man is. We're saying something about what the church is. And so each of those things that go before have been doctrinal statements that lead and guide our church. And so now we kind of see that the doctrine apparently is very important in Grace Bible Fellowship, in everything that we do. These foundational beliefs of our church are beliefs. They're truths from Scripture, and, and they're, they're boiled down into doctrinal convictions, in things that we believe about what Scripture teaches. And everything that we do, or everything that we aim to do or want to do as a local church, is directed by what we believe about all of those things. Everything we do as a church is directed by what we believe about God and what we believe about Scripture and what we believe about man and what we believe about the church and, and all of those things. Um, they're all doctrines. And, and a doctrine, if we think about what is a doctrine, a doctrine is just a carefully crafted statement about what one believes. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about doctrines. Carefully crafted statements about what we believe. Um, the biblical word translated doctrine most often in scripture is, um, just simply means teaching or instruction. It's the, the word for teaching and instruction. And, and I think it's important enough for us to, you know, even though we would have had all of these other things without this final sixth one, I, I think this, this doctrinal conviction, this doctrinal understanding is important enough that we need to make it its own Distinctive. We need to emphasize this thing as a local church, the importance of doctrine, the importance of teaching. And I, I'm sure you've already kind of seen that in our church, that there's, there's a focus on teaching. That's why we're here even on Sunday night doing more teaching, because we believe teaching is very important for the growth of the believer, You know, it's not enough for us to just kind of have beliefs about God and Scripture and man and um, all of those things. We need to we need to carefully articulate them and present them and teach them and preach them so that we can grow in Christ. And and this is where I think many churches err. Many, many churches would would almost feel like the opposite of that. They they wouldn't want to make doctrine an emphasis in the church. Um, Many churches want to downplay doctrine. They, they don't, they don't, it's actually like a strategy that they have to, to not clearly lay out what they believe about certain things. So, sometimes it's a, it's a deliberate strategy of churches. Sometimes it's, it's that the teachers themselves aren't really sure what they believe or how to explain it. But other times it's actually like a, something that they aim to do. Let's not get too doctrinal. Let's not teach too clearly these things because then people might dif- disagree and differ and it's going to cause trouble. Um, but for whatever reason, I, if you decide not to focus on doctrine, that itself, I want you to see, is a doctrinal belief. You see that? If, you know, if I say doctrine is not important, I have just laid out a doctrinal statement and that is the, that, you know, and maybe that is the only doctrine that some churches have, 
But I, I think that's a, a big mistake. So to say doctrine isn't important it's, is itself a doctrinal statement. And, and many churches really, again, only have one doctrine, the, the doctrine that they don't emphasize doctrine. And if a church doesn't clearly articulate what they believe in all of these areas about God, about Scripture, about man, about the church, um, about church government and how that's supposed to run, it, you know, I think it's important to realize they, every church still believes something, right? Even if, if you don't, even if it's not clearly laid out, every church believes something about all of those things. Now, you might, you know, you might not know what that something is, but whatever that something is, it's driving everything that a particular local church does. So there may be a lot of confusion but every church has doctrine, whether they acknowledge it or not, right? Every, every church believes something, and they're, they're acting out of that something. So at, at Grace Bible Fellowship, again, we think it's incredibly important to, um, to clearly lay out doctrine. You know, we, we, and, and that's the whole reason why we've done these eight classes on this whole thing, the foundational beliefs of our church, because... Um, we don't just want to do things. We want to do the right things for the right reasons. We want to, we, we want to understand what we believe and why we believe it. We want to understand as much as possible. Um, we want to make sure that our, our doctrine and our practice correspond, that, that what we believe and what we do are closely related to one another. What, you know, what, what happens often, um, and, and I, like, I don't, I don't mean particularly in Lacrete. I, I, you know, I, I think it applies here as well as anywhere. But what, what happens quite often in a, in a church is that, uh, you'll see a, a church that has a, on paper, a really good statement of faith. You know, you'll, you'll look up their statement of faith on the internet and you'll be like, wow, that's just really great. It's, um, very nicely articulated, very clear, but, then when you actually come and start checking out that church and, and seeing what they do, you can soon tell that they don't really live according to that statement of faith. It's a really great statement of faith on paper, but they don't, they don't practice it. They, they, they claim to believe sound doctrine, but it, it's not allowed to shape their practice. Uh, and so when we say that we have a clear view of doctrine, we mean to, we mean that, that, um, we know what we believe and we seek to, to know it in such a way that it shapes everything that we do. We're, we're trying to really understand what does the scripture teach and then therefore how must I act, right? Remember the high view of God is kind of what drives the whole thing that we need to do what he tells us to do, that this whole thing of the church is his plan. It's not our plan. It's his idea. It's not our idea. And so we want to submit to him. And so we want to understand what his word says, and then we want to do that. We want to, we want to be obedient to him and follow what he says. So, for example, you know, we can't say we got a high view of God, but then just kind of do whatever we want when, when our, our ideas are different than his. Um, that's, that's inconsistent. You know, we can't just say, oh yeah, I have a high view of God, but, you know, I know God says that we should probably do that, but, you know, 
that, that might not be very, you know, somebody might not like that. You know, the, um, Bill's in the front, Bill in the front row, he, he would hate it if I did that, so I can't do that, you know. But that, then we've just let go of our high view of God, and now I have a high view of Bill, which I already have a high view of Bill, but not that high, you know. Like, we, we wanna, we wanna follow what God says. Um, we can't say, well, I have a sufficient view of Scripture, and, and Scripture is sufficient, and then turn around and say, well, I know Scripture is sufficient, but if I actually preach Scripture, nobody's gonna come, because it's so, it's so boring. Well, if I have a high view of scripture and a sufficient view of it, then, um, then I gotta preach what the scripture teaches. And, uh, you know, I guess it'd partly be my fault if it was boring, but in, in a sense, like, I just kinda leave that up to God. Like, I'm gonna preach His word and just leave the results up to Him. And so, you know, the doctrine and practice need to be consistent. They need to go together. Again, I can't say the Bible is sufficient in one breath and then in the next breath say, well, the, but the Bible can't handle that problem. You know, you should go see a professional counselor because that's just way too deep and complex. Well, if I really believe the scripture is sufficient, then it's sufficient to help us to live, a, uh, you know, in, uh, um, it, it, to live godly in this world. So when we say, again, when we say we have a clear view of doctrine, we, we mean our doctrine informs everything that we do. Now, of course, there's, there's always going to be blind spots in a local church or in any individual person, things that we don't see, but that's what we intend to do. We intend that, that what, what God's word teaches directs every single thing that we do. What we believe should be biblical, and we should be able to point to the Bible and say, you know, here is where this teaching comes from. This is, this is why I believe this. Or almost even everything that we do, we should be able to go, this is why we do it this way. This is why we operate this way because scripture says it here, 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 and here. And so we should, we should believe what scripture teaches. We want to believe what scripture teaches. And then we need to act on what we believe and we need to do it. We need to practice it. We, we want to let what we believe motivate and control everything that we do. Now, at this point, you know, I, I hope you're kind of following all this and, and, and seeing the, the logic, but at, at the risk of being tedious here, I want to just illustrate it one more time. Um, and, and, and I want to do that by, by talking about other churches. Um, Again, many churches have a statement of faith and, and even sometimes a philosophy of ministry, a, a document that kind of lays out why they do what they do. But that, that statement of faith just sits in a binder collecting dust kind of in a back room somewhere, or it, it sits on a hard drive that's never accessed, or it's in a, a tab on the website that nobody ever looks at. And such a church can be very active, but but there's little connection then between what they, they say they believe and what they actually do. And in a sense then, they don't really believe those things very strongly. You know, and, and maybe you, if you, if you kind of said, hey, pastor, um, you know, you say, you know, on your statement of faith, you say this, this, and this, you know, maybe they would, they would say that, yes, I really do believe that. But, but when it comes right down to it, they're just, they're not acting on it. They're not obeying it. It's not really, motivating what they do. In fact, in some churches like that, um, 
they, they might even be surprised to find out what they believe on paper. Oh, wow, I didn't even know it said that. Huh, would you look at that? Because it, it, it's not, again, it's not really important. To, uh, and, and maybe, and I want to be gracious to other churches. I don't, I don't know necessarily the reasons why it's like that, but I just, I just know from being around for a while that it's often like that. And, and what we want is we want to be just the exact opposite of that. We want to clearly define our beliefs and we want those to actually inform our actions. And that goes for the church as a whole and for us as individual believers as well. So for, for indiv- us as believers, we, we need to believe and do. And for the church, we need to believe and do. Now, kind of with that as the introduction, um, how many of you have seen our statement of faith called what we teach? Just maybe put up your hand here. I'm not going to corner you or anything like this. Um, Okay, so a few hands. Keep your hands up there. Now, how many have actually read that thing? I just asked if you saw it. Now, maybe I should ask again. Who saw it? Anyone? So, okay, and then who's actually read it? The whole thing. Okay, well done. Okay, some of them, some half, some not at all. Um, So for those of you who have read it, did you notice anything about it? And this might be might be a while that you read it, a while ago, Um do you notice anything about it compared to the statements of faith of other churches that you are aware of or that you've been a part of? Anyone notice anything different about our statement of faith? There could be lots of things, Bill. Okay, it says what what we teach. Yeah. Yeah, good. It says it's it's called what we teach, not not what we believe, and that's really deliberate, actually, and I'll, I'll get into that. Anything else that you noticed about our statement of faith? It had way more scripture. Had way more scripture. Okay, yeah, it had way more scripture um, than some of them. I think almost every sentence has two or three verses behind it of what it, of what it, uh, where we get that from. Anyone else? Alan. Very specific, yeah, very specific. Um, anything else, Kevin? Okay, different view of election, yes, that's in there too. Um, there's actually a <laughs> causing trouble back there, Kevin. Are we going to bring up uh, troublesome doctrines in this doctrine class? <laughs> No, one, one day we'll have to kind of talk about that view of election and, and kind of more fully. But um, yeah, it, you know, I would say not, not only does it kind of lay out a different view of election maybe, but um, it actually lays out fairly extensively, I would say, every area of doctrine, um, typically in, in, a, in a systematic theology textbook, it covers 10 areas of doctrine. Now, I don't know if I can do, just do this, but um, it covers the doctrine of God, and then with that would be the doctrine of Christ, doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Um, then you have doctrine of Scripture, doctrine of angels and demons, um, doctrine of salvation, doctrine of man, doctrine of sin. Um, then you usually have something on the church and the end times. So those are, those are kind of the 10 areas 
that are, that are typically in a systematic theology, kind of the, the, the ten major areas that the Bible talks about. And um, our church statement of faith lays out what we believe in all ten of those areas. And, and I, you know, what, what I was really going for with that question is that I think you, what you would find is that our statement of faith is actually much, much broader, much more detailed than most statement of faiths. Um, how, how would you say uh, most statements of faiths are laid out, kind of after I said that? That's kind of a, that's a broad question, but um, how, how would our statement of faith in that way differ maybe from other statements of faith that you've seen? They're very general. Yeah, very general. Often, and not often, right? There's, there's lots, you know what? There's, um, there's churches with statements of faith that are way more extensive than ours. So ours isn't, ours isn't the most extensive, uh, out there. Um, but it, but it, it is very, it is very broad and it goes into a lot of details, um, that, that often others don't. Some churches, all, like aim again it, it's it's intentional um but they aim to have the shortest possible most inclusive statement of what we believe and they would probably call it that what we believe or our statement of faith and now sometimes it's it's the shortest possible most inclusive thing because they um because it it just shows that they again that they have little concern about doctrine and so they're not really too concerned. It's just, we got this bare minimum and, and that's good enough. Um, other times, perhaps they're, you know, they're not even sure what they teach, um, kind of beyond that statement. And, and some churches even allow elders or teachers to, to disagree on things that are, that are kind of outside that minimal statement. And so even at like some particular churches you would go to and, um, the elders might teach, for example, all kinds of different views of election or all kinds of different views of the end times. Um, mo- in most of those churches, the statement of faith wouldn't allow them to teach different views of God or different views of Christ or different views of, of, of the Holy Spirit. But like sometimes you would have um, elders where some of them believe that spiritual gifts are still happening today and some of them don't believe that. And so in a church like that, Again, there's going to be a lot of confusion about what is true and right and what scripture teaches because even your teachers aren't sure and don't, you know, don't know what they teach or disagree with one another on what they teach. So depending on, on the teacher for that day, you might get contradictory messages coming from the pulpit. And, and some churches, um, actually intentionally operate that way. Sometimes churches have these really short statements of faith because they want to appeal to the largest possible group. And, um, you know, way back years ago, Jody and I were part of a church like that where, it, you know, it seemed like the only goal of that church was to get more people to come to that church on Sunday morning by any means possible. Do you, do you know what church I'm talking about when I say that? It's just they, they, it was just, that was, that was like the, the one doctrinal belief of that church is doesn't matter what we believe as long as like, if we could just get some people to come, that would be fantastic. And it was kind of like this old little dying church and, uh, um, 
And, and, and so they, they wouldn't want to get into anything that would, that would cause disagreement because they just, they were just glad that if you would just come, like they would, they would make you hot dogs or whatever they could do just to get you to come on Sunday morning or Wednesday to the youth event or whatever. Now, uh, in fairness, I'm, I'm sure many churches with these bare minimum statements of faith aren't even, aren't even really aware of their statements or, um, oftentimes they're not even aware why they're like that. They've just kind of always been like that and, and nobody thought about it much. You know, I, I think that's very often how it is. Like somebody at some point thought about something and put something down and now that's been long forgotten 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. And, uh, the new guys are just kind of doing what they do. Obviously they believe something about something and they're doing stuff because they believe it, but they're not really sure what they believe and they're just kind of doing whatever they think would seem like a good idea to do. So I don't know if that's fair to those churches or not, but this is a, a huge problem in the church today. You know, no one's thinking about why they do what they do. And, and lots of times there's lots of action, lots of, lots of zeal. Kind of reminds me of my early Christian life. Lots of zeal. But I had no idea what I was doing or why I was doing it or if it was even a good or bad thing to be doing. I was just excited to serve the Lord and just kind of doing whatever I could do or whatever, whatever they put before me to do. Um, but that's a, that's a huge problem in the church. Nobody's thinking about why they do what they do or even if they should do it. And so there's lots of action, very little thinking. Now, Whatever the reason why other churches operate that way, most of the time in churches with these, with these minimal statements of faith, they expect their members to agree 100% with that statement, right? If, if you're going to go to that church, you, you kind you pretty much have to 100% agree with everything on there. And, and really, if you didn't agree with everything on there, you'd, you'd basically be a heretic, right? You, um, you, you, if you're a Christian, you believe that statement of faith. That's why it's, it's so broad like that so that everyone can say, yeah, I believe that. Um, now we're almost the opposite on that. And I, I think it's helpful for you just to kind of realize what we're doing and, and why we're that way. We have a very thorough statement of faith that goes into details in all kinds of areas, but we don't require everyone to believe it a hundred percent. Uh, in fact, I don't even require everyone to understand it a hundred percent because there's times where you're just, you, you would read it and you'd go, I have no idea what that's even talking about. Um, because I don't understand any of those words, right? Like we're all growing. That's kind of the idea. And so we understand that as a church, we're all growing in our knowledge of scripture and, and we're growing in what we understand scripture teaches. We're all in different places and we all have much to learn. There's, there's, there's all kinds of things that, that we need to learn and, and grow in. Now, of course, to be a, a member of our church, um, there's certain things that you have to believe to be a member. You know, it's not, it's not everything that we don't ask you to believe. We, you know, you have to be a Christian to be a member. And so you need to understand the gospel and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to know who he is, that he is God and man. If you came and you said, I'd like to be part of this church, but I just believe Jesus is a man, but not God. Well, then, you know, either I'm going to have to educate you on who Jesus is, and then you could join. Or if you're going to hold that Jesus is just a man or just God and not a man, um, then 
of course, you couldn't be part of our church because you have to, you have to be a believer. Um, you have to believe the, for example, the historic doctrine of the triune God, that God is, that there's one God who eternally exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, and so there's, there's certain things that, that you have to believe to be part of this church, but on other things, we understand that you, you might not be persuaded yet. And that's, that's okay. Um, that's, that's totally okay. You know, I, I, I don't, and I say this often, but I don't want you to believe anything just because I believe it. I want you to believe it because you believe that scripture believes it. I, I want you to believe in the doctrine of election because you've kind of looked through the scriptures and you see that the scriptures talk about election and that, that it, it operates the way that we say that it does in our statement of faith. If you're not sure about that, I just want you to continue to listen to the preaching of God's word and the teaching of God's word and then come to be persuaded from the scripture that that's what the scripture teaches. So I don't want you to believe something because I say it. I don't want you to believe something because your wife believes it or because your husband says that's what's true. Uh, You need to be convinced by scripture that it's true and that God teaches it. And and we should all have, and I mean all, even including myself, we should all have an attitude that's ready to be, to be persuaded by Scripture. There should be a, an openness and a willingness to learn, even if it's something different than what we've always believed. And again, it's this, it's this openness to be convinced by Scripture, not by me, not by our church, not by everyone else that goes here, but by the Scripture itself. And so we should always be ready to, to learn what Scripture teaches and then submit to what Scripture teaches. And that's why our statement of faith is called what we teach, like Bill alluded to. It, it's what we teach, and we call it that very deliberately. And here's why we call it that. It's because it's what we teach. This is, those things in our statement of faith are going to be the things that, that we teach. And we believe, at least I believe, that, that it accurately represents the teaching of Scripture. And I, I, I believe that that I could show you in any one of those areas why I believe that Scripture teaches that and not something else. And so um, we believe it's the teaching of Scripture, and so that's what we teach as a local church. I, I can tell you that I wouldn't teach it if I didn't believe that it was what the Bible teaches. I, I don't teach, uh, you know, that, that statement of faith is like that because I believe that's what Scripture teaches, and and therefore it's what what we must teach as well. Now, I myself have, have studied these things and I'm convinced that what we teach, that document is what scripture teaches. And in, any elders that we bring on are going to have to agree with that what we teach statement. Now, we don't ask everyone to agree, but elders have to agree because elders are required to be able to teach. And so if elders are going to teach and they're going to have to, they're going to teach what we teach, then we, they need to be able to teach that and, and not just kind of teach it, but they need to be able to teach it with conviction that they're, that they've been convinced in those areas as well. Um, and so kind of with that, um, I think of, I think of our what we teach statement as a, a promise to you. And again, we're talking about a clear view of doctrine. So, so we have a clear view of doctrine. It's laid out in our what we teach. And it's a promise to the church 
Because we're living in days of doctrinal compromise. Now, I don't know if that's so much here, um, but I know when, when I was at Grace Life, um, there was always people coming from other churches who, who were like, you know what, my pastors or, or my church started ordaining elder or uh, uh, female elders or female pastors. And so they would, they would just be like, you know, I couldn't abide with that. Or my church was hazy on doctrine for this reason or that reason. Or my church started affirming the LBGTQ stuff and we had to get out of there. And so just, the, the, you know, my church... Um, I found out they no longer believed in a literal six-day creation or whatever the doctor. There's, there's just in every area, it seemed like the, the churches are abandoning doctrinal convic- convictions and um, embracing what the world teaches in those areas. Uh, other churches are just kind of silently waiting and hoping that that no one will notice them. And so they've been shamed into silence by the world or by even by professing believers that don't believe according to what they believe. Um, and so, again, what we teach is a, is a promise to you that, that this is what we teach and that we are, we're going to actively teach those things. That's our commitment, that, that, that we're not going to um, cave on a literal six-day creation. We believe that Scripture teaches that. We're going to teach male leadership. We're going to teach the deity of Christ. We're going to teach the, the nature of the triune God, that salvation is by grace and, and all of that that means. Um, we're going to teach the authority and inerrancy and sufficiency of scripture and, and we're not going to change from that. Um, we teach the cessation of the miraculous spiritual gifts and, and we, we believe that and we're going to continue like that. We preach the doctrine of election, the reality of hell. The reality of heaven and, and all of the, the, that's in that statement, we are committed to all of it. Now again, some of those things you might not be sure about. You're not maybe convinced about those things or persuaded about those things. And again, that's okay. We just want you to come and, and listen to the teaching and preaching of God's word and be convinced about those things that scripture teaches it. And so all we ask of our members is that, that, that you recognize that, that we're working towards teaching those things. Should I just pause? Was that thing, can you guys hear me still a little bit? Waylon can hear me from up front. And Sawyer, and I don't even know your name. I got to remember, Chase? No? Cole? Okay. Kyron? I know Joel. There we go. <clears throat> so all we ask of our members is, is that, that you would recognize that we're working towards teaching those things. And if, if you're part of this local church, what that means is you're working and, and serving the Lord together with us, right? So we, we all are serving the Lord together and we want you to recognize that we're serving the Lord towards teaching those things. Um, we can't work and serve the Lord together if, if we're all trying to accomplish different goals, right? Does that make sense? If I'm trying to teach um, the deity of Christ and you're going around trying to teach that he's only a man, 
then we're not working together real well. It, you know, that's not gonna, that's not gonna work smooth. Now, if I'm trying to teach, um, I don't know, the, the, a literal thousand year millennial reign, and you're not sure about that, well, that's okay, but just don't try to teach a, a, a non-literal thousand year reign, because, or just recognize that we're trying to, to do that, and so don't, you, you know, you don't want to fight against us. Um, and, I, and I, I'm not like threatening or anything as I say that, although it kind of sounds like that. We, we just, we just want, we want to work together to serve the Lord. And so we want you to recognize that. So for example, when I was at Grace Life, um, there was a certain uh, young member who, um, who, who believed that he had learned how to speak in tongues. And, and you know, I, like, I, I don't believe that he's actually speaking in tongues. Um, because I believe that that miraculous gift ceased and I believe it was for a certain purpose and I don't want to kind of go into all that right now. But he was persuaded in his conscience that he must, as a Christian, teach everyone that he had interaction with to go and speak in tongues. So he wanted... He wanted, he was part of Grace Life Church, but he wants to, to teach everyone in our church to speak in tongues. And I'm trying to teach everyone in our church that the gift of tongues has ceased and there's no point saying yabba dabba duba or whatever, however that works. Um, <laughs> you guys like that? <laughs> so, so like that's, we're not gonna, we're not gonna work together well. If I'm trying to teach yabba dabba duba and everyone, you know, and everyone else is not, right? So, um, <laughs> that's great. Um, keep the kids in it for a little bit. So, um, so, you know, that, that young man, I think before anything happened, he realized, you know, it's not going to go well for him at Grace Life if he is trying to teach everyone to speak in tongues. And so he, he left. And I, th- I think that was the right thing for him to do. Now, on the other hand, at Grace Life, we had um, Bible study shepherds who taught Bible studies who disagreed with what our church teaches on eschatology, on the end times. And they, um, they were... <laughs> you can't stop laughing, Waylon. Uh, it's funny. It'll stop eventually. It always does. Um, so we had uh, Bible study shepherds who differed on eschatology, and they just, they just... They, they loved our church. They wanted to be a part of it. And so they just never taught on eschatology. They wouldn't teach, maybe they wouldn't teach through First Thessalonians. They would teach through some other book. And so in a sense, then it's, it's really up to you as you kind of think about the difference. If there is a difference in, in what you believe and what, what we believe, um, it's really up to you to answer the question, can, can you serve together with us, right? Can you say, Yes, I might have some differences, but I can, I can serve the Lord together with this church and, uh, and that's fine. Um, so the, those Bible study shepherds, in fact, there was at least three of them that weren't at least, whether they differed on eschatology or whether they just weren't sure about eschatology, they just, they just kind of stayed away from that area. Um, maybe one more example, a, a gentleman came to our church and uh, his family came and they had some differences in a few areas. And um, that was right around the time that, that COVID happened. And I preached that message on Romans 13. And uh, they thought that, 
you know, we should follow all of the mandates uh, that, are, that, are, that the government was laying out at the time, and they, they believed that in their conscience that, uh, that we were sinning against the Lord by being open and having uh, meetings like this. I, I, I think this is still not allowed. I don't even really know. I just honestly have, have forgotten. Um, but, but um, you know, they, they were in this position where they thought we were doing something that was wrong. And so I, I offered to work through that with them. Let's talk about it. Let's meet together. Let's kind of work through the differences and see if we can't arrive on the same page. Um, but that, that family didn't want to talk with me about it. And they decided they couldn't serve in, in good conscience here. And so, um, and so they, they moved on. And, and I think that's totally fine. Um, you know, it, it's, I think it's probably better for both of us, right? I think they would have been miserable with us and conflicted in their conscience. And we should never do anything against our conscience. And, um, and again, we are, are settled in our beliefs, or we were settled in our beliefs, and we, we still are settled, especially in that Romans 13 area. Uh, on the other hand, if, if you are settled in a doctrine position that's different than what we teach, um, you know, you, like those Bible study shepherds at Grace Life, you may still look around and say, like, like those Grace Life Bible study shepherds, well, this is a good church that believes and teaches the Bible. They understand the gospel. I don't agree with everything, but I can join in here. And, and you know, the thing that I disagree with, I, I'm not sure it's even that important. And uh, somebody like that can just get along just well and, and serve the Lord well here. Um, you know, over time, you might be convinced. And uh, I know at Grace Life, lots and lots of times, there would, there would always be Three things that in a membership interview that people would, would be not sure about. One was always the doctrine of election. Um, the other one was the cessation of spiritual gifts. And probably the third one was, was the doctrine of the end times. And just often people um, just weren't sure about those things. I remember a membership interview with one lady where she said, uh, you, know, I, you know, I'm just not sure about this doctrine of election thing. That's, I've just never seen that before. She started coming to Grace Life, and about about a year and a half later, that lady came to me and, and said, Pastor Mike, the doctrine of election is everywhere in the Bible. It's every, everywhere, every page it's in there. And um, and so she came she came to believe it, but but for a time, she wasn't sure. And so she um, she just kind of came and, and learned, but she was happy to be part of the church, even though she wasn't sure, because she could tell that we teach the Bible and that we, we believe sound doctrine as far as she could tell. Now, as we kind of just get to that point, um, are there any questions here? Or does anyone else want to say anything for a minute? Any questions about, about what I've been kind of laying out? Again, most churches will, will expect you to believe every single thing the way that they do, um, we're the opposite of that. We realize there's, there's room to grow in our understanding, but yet we want to be clear in what we teach. And so we're, we've laid it out in, in a really clear, at least as far as, as, as we mean to, it means to be a really clear statement of faith so that you can know up front exactly what we teach as you join this church. Any questions? No? It's, it's all good? Kind of probably heard me say some of these things before. Um, 
Great. Well, okay then. Uh, let's. I wanted to finish with just kind of coming back around to this this idea of a clear view of doctrine, and um, and I think this will be more devotional, and we'll actually get into the scriptures here a little bit. I, I, why don't you turn in your Bible to Titus chapter one and verse one. I want to I want to talk a little bit about about the importance of of sound doctrine of of even just doctrine in our lives. Again, that word means teaching. And Titus one one begins with uh, some of my favorite verses here. Um, Paul says this. He says, "Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ." For the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his words through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior to Titus, my true child, in a common faith." Now, I just really want to focus on verse 1 there. And, and Paul says in verse 1 that he's writing for the sake of the faith of God's elect. For the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth. So he's writing for the sake of the, the faith of the elect and for the, the knowledge of the truth for the elect. So he's, he's writing for both of those things. But he's writing he's to the elect, and he, he wants, he's doing this for the sake of the, the faith and their knowledge of the, tr- of the truth. And so he's concerned for this group called God's elect. And he's concerned for their faith and their knowledge of the truth. And he's writing for the sake of those two things, for their faith and their knowledge of the truth. Now, I don't think that there's much difference there. I, I didn't dig really deep into this in study, but I, I think most likely here the, the idea of their faith would be kind of what we call objective faith, like the, the actual content of what they believe. So he's, he's writing f- to inform them about certain things. And, and I think because of that, it, it probably there's not a huge difference between the knowledge of the truth and the faith of God's elect. It's, it's probably the very similar things that the, the faith is what they believe. Um, not so much the, the subjective feeling of, of, of trust in God, but more the objective knowledge. And so, so again, knowledge of the truth and the faith of God's elect probably almost parallel things. Now, what I want to focus on, though, is, is what Paul says next. He says, which accords with godliness. True faith and proper knowledge of the truth, according to Paul, accords with godliness. What we believe and, and what we know about the truth accords with godliness. The, the Legacy Standard Bible translated, it leads to godliness. And in the rest of this letter, Paul lays out what, what he calls sound doctrine throughout the letter. Sound teaching. And, and that sound teaching that he lays out in the book of Titus is gonna produce godliness in God's people. 
And so scripture constantly teaches that our growth in holiness, our growth in godliness is through our knowledge of the truth, right? So we are, we are to this, there's this, this doctrine that accords with godliness. We, we grow in godliness through the knowledge of the truth. And let's go back then to first Timothy chapter four, and we see kind of the same thing a couple times in the book of first Timothy. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 6 says, If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Then he says, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. And so again, if you put these things, well, what things? Well, all the things that Paul's been teaching in First Timothy, you got to put those before the brothers. And if you do that, you'll be a good servant of Christ. And, and you yourself are one who's been trained in the words of faith and the good doctrine that you have followed. And that good doctrine, again, is a training in verse 7 towards godliness, towards holiness, towards uh, uh, this word um, is a, is a really cool word. This word godliness. It's, it has the idea of like a, an awesome reverence towards God that that shapes our lives. Um, a really really cool word. But again, it's through this knowledge of the truth. It's through the things that of the teaching of the faith of the truth from God's word. Sound doctrine is what makes is what good servants of Jesus Christ are commanded to put before the brothers. It's almost like we could, we could take this verse and say, there's, there's the, the proof text that a church should have sound doctrine because Paul tells Timothy, the pastor, that he's to put those things before the brothers and, and to train himself and the church in godliness. Now again, let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 3 and we see a very similar thing Again, 1 Timothy 6, 3, and 4, Paul says, If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. So there's a, a doctrinal teaching. Again, that word there is just the teaching. The, if anyone teaches a different teaching and doesn't agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he's puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. And so there's, there again, there's this teaching that accords with godliness. Teaching and godliness go together. Knowledge and holiness. Doctrine, sound doctrine, healthy doctrine produces godly living. And you can never separate those two things. There, if, if you're going to live a godly life, it has to be a life based on the truth and the understanding of God's word. You can't, you can never, um, you can never bypass the mind in the Christian life. If you try to bypass the mind, then you just have an empty kind of emotionalism that doesn't, um, that doesn't really transform people. Christianity is a religion that's made to affect the whole person. It's not just the mind. It's to, it's to affect every part of us, but it, it has to start 
in the mind with the understanding of truth. It begins with the understanding. And so, there, you know, if we wanted to kind of lay it out, it's, it's we need to know the truth. We need, you'd have to have like a bare knowledge of it. And then secondly, we need to understand that. So it's not just like I could say the words, but I actually understand what it means and what's, what's happening. And then we believe the truth. We, we cling to the truth. We trust the truth. We, we, you know, we, there's a, there's like an internal, uh, subjective belief in, in what we know and understand. And, and that, that now comes out in the life. And so we respond now accordingly and we, and we act and think according to the truth that we have come to believe. That's, that's the way of growth in the Christian life. And again, if we bypass the mind, it, it leads to a, an emotionalism that, that really has no, no depth to it. And if it only affects the mind and doesn't kind of affect the heart and the person, that's kind of what they call a, a dead orthodoxy. There, there, there's a, such a thing as a mind that's just puffed up, but it hasn't really affected the, the life. We want, we want all of it to be affected. And so it, it, in the Christian life, it, I think sometimes we say it goes mind, affections, and then will. So it starts with the mind, understanding the truth. And then as I understand the truth and believe it, um, I, I come to love the truth. And I, I have strong feelings towards the truth. And I, I hate the lies and I hate the evil. And, so, and that's what we call our affections. And as my affections have been affected, I, I choose with my will the, the good. And so there, there, there's this mind, affections, will. And, and, or from, from the mind, there's conviction. I, I like that word conviction where it's like a, a strong, settled belief. And then, and, and then that conviction again affects my emotions, my affections, and I, and I love certain things. And because I love certain things, I, I will to do good and not to do evil, and, and then it affects my actions. And so there's convictions, loves, actions. Or, um, uh, my friend Paul at Grace Life said something, oh, I think he said head, head, heart, hands, and that's kind of a nice, easy way to remember it. Um, head, heart, hands. Um, oh, and that, that's right there in, in my notes too. So head, heart, hands, uh, very, very helpful. So again, we, we, we need to understand sound doctrine if we're going to live godly lives. We, we just can't, we can't get around that. And we see that over and over again in scripture. And so, and if you want, you could turn to Romans chapter 12. This is probably a, a memory verse for the majority of us. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Uh, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So Paul wants the believers there to, to present their bodies. That's a way I think of saying your whole person, because your, your body kind of follows your affections and your emotions and your, and your life. And so, Present yourself as this living sacrifice, a, a holy and acceptable sacrifice to God. That's your, your spiritual worship or your reasonable service. And then he says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed. And we could ask, well, how? How do I be transformed, Paul? It's be transformed. It's, it's, it's something that has to happen to you. 
but he's commanding it, be transformed, he says, by the renewal of your mind. And that's kind of the way of Christianity. There's this, this renewing of the mind, this, this, this changing of the, of the knowledge of the truth, of the knowledge of God, of the knowledge of sanctification and, and the knowledge of Christ. And all, all of this knowledge renews our minds. And, and through that, we are being transformed. And and of course, when we do that, it's he says that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect, so that you will you will know because of your renewed mind, you will know what God wants, so that you can present your body as an acceptable sacrifice to Him. But that's just a really really important there in the middle of verse two by the renewal of your mind. Uh, let's go to uh, one. One more. Uh, let's go to Ephesians 4 and verse uh, 20. Twenty to 24. Paul says, but that is not the way that you learned Christ. And of course, just before that, he told them in verse 17, don't walk like the Gentiles do. So he, he want, he's, he's thinking about their actions, about how they walk, and, and, and he says, you know, the way the Gentiles walked, that's not how you learned Christ. And then verse 21, he says, assuming that you have heard about him, and of course they had, and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Now, we, this is a, a, just a great passage, but this is kind of what we often talk about in growth in the Christian life. Well, how do we grow? Well, we need to, verse 22, we need to put off the old self. We need to stop doing the things the, that the Gentiles did, right? We stop doing those sinful actions, and then you need to put on and do the good and godly things that God tells us to do in his word. But we can never miss that, that again, in the middle there, in verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And that's, that, that's the, that transformation again that comes through knowledge. Again, that's just, this is just another way to say the teaching that, uh, that conforms or accords with godliness. So in order to renew our minds, we need good, sound, biblical teaching. And, uh, and that's really what we, what we aim to do when we talk about having a clear view of doctrine, that, that our church is one that, that, that wants to understand what Scripture teaches in every area about God, about man, about Christ, about sanctification, about how salvation works, about angels and demons and the end times and in everything. And all of that, the, the, all of that truth that God has given us is to renew our minds and then shape our lives so that we live according to the truth, so that we live out the truth. And, um, you know, the, the, John MacArthur has often said something like, um, it's the, it's the depth of our teaching that 
that lifts us to the heights of worship. I know I'm not saying that exactly right, but that's, that's kind of the idea. The, the, the further we dig into the word and know God and under, understand who he is, the greater our worship will be because we'll know what we're talking about when we sing those songs and do those things. And so, um, that's, that's kind of the, the final foundational thing of our church. Again, we want a high view of God, a, um, a sufficient view of scripture, a proper view of man, a, an accurate view of the church, a strong view of church leadership, and then finally a, um, sufficient or sorry, a clear view of doctrine. And, uh, and all of that is really what, what drives everything that we do, every ministry that we do at this church. And, um, and so hopefully that's kind of helpful for us to understand, uh, what we're doing and, and, and a little bit why we do what we do the way that we do. This is what we're trying to, to pass on to, to everyone that goes to our church. So maybe I'll, I'll just open it up one more time. We do have a few minutes left. We're, we're done a little bit early, but is there any, any questions or anyone want to make any comments based on anything that we said there? That's great. That's really helpful. So, you know, through the teaching of the truth, we're all growing together, being made more like Christ, and that brings greater unity. Now, of course, we can even disagree on certain little doctrinal things and still be really unified because we're all kind of growing together. We're not fighting about it. We're, we're seeking to understand what Scripture teaches and sharpening one another, each of us doing our part to, until we come to a doctrinal unity. That's what Ephesians 4, yeah, is really, that's a really good verse on that. Anyone else want to say anything? <clears throat> Yeah. And, and like, I, I hope that's true of me too. Like I, I am settled on these things. I believe that scripture teaches them. I, I think I could argue for most of these things in our statement of faith, but I, I'm willing to, to learn and grow and, and understand scripture in a better way and, and hear the other side. I think that's really important. What, what, what does the other side, what are their arguments? What, why do, why do they believe this or that differently? And, um, and to really dig into those things, I, I think is important. And so, um, so yeah, I, th- I think it's just, that's, that's the attitude that we all need to have is that we, we're ready to grow and we want to be, we just want to know scripture better, know the Lord better. And, uh, and hopefully, you know, hopefully through that kind of sound teaching that we all are growing and coming to know the Lord better. And I, and I, honestly, I think it is happening. Um, I think I've, I've seen it happening in our lives and it's really, it's really encouraging.
Um, and, and then as, as that's happening, that, this is how the church grows. And the, you know, we'll, we all will reach more and more people. And, uh, and this is how the Lord grows his church. Um, not by, not by holding the bare minimum teaching and just kind of, you know, uh, making hot dogs to get people to come, uh, on Sunday morning or whatever. I guess nobody wants hot dogs Sunday morning, but, uh, you guys didn't know that church that Jody and I went to, so. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, coffee ministry. And I like coffee as much as the next guy, but that's, that's not what we want to draw people with, right? Um, we, you know, they always say what, what you draw them with is what you got to keep them with. And if we're going to keep, you know, if we're going to draw people with entertainment, hot dogs, and coffee, then it's going to have to be increasingly good coffee and it's not gonna, it's not gonna do any good. It's not gonna change people's lives. Um, and that's what we're trying to do, is change people's lives through the Word of God. Anyone else wanna dare to say anything? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um. No, um, and in fact, if if we really wanted to to get into the nitty gritty of Ephesians four, I, I actually think that um, that in Ephesians four twenty to twenty four, there that it, it's actually could be better translated that you actually have put off the old self, kind of like what it's Paul says in Galatians, where the old man is is has been crucified, and um, and then. And you have put on the new self, but the, that middle verse in verse 23 is actually in the present tense. It's, and, and, and you need to continually be being renewed in the spirit of your minds. So it, the, the foundation for that is what God has already done for us in Christ and our salvation. But we still, we still are responsible to stop doing things. And then in Ephesians 4, 25 and following, he says certain things like he says, if you're the thief, you need to stop stealing. And I, I can't do it from my mind. But if you look, there's five things there after that. And, uh, and they all say, they basically say, stop doing this. Start doing the opposite good thing. Have work, get a job, have something to share and, and think about other people. That's kind of the first one I think there. And so, um, there is this kind of in biblical counseling, we talk about put off, put on, stop doing, not, not again by your own power, but you need to stop your sinful things. You need to start doing the, the opposite good thing. But in order to really be changed, you have to think differently about, cause why do you like that sinful thing? Why are you a thief? You know, isn't it better to have a job and share like, you know, or whatever the, the sin might be, right? And so, um, anyway, that's, that's a great question, but that's, that's all I'll say for, for now. All right. Well, thanks again for coming, guys. It's great to to have you guys out. Uh, I don't know what we're going to do next time. We might either go into our statement of faith more and in more detail, or I'm not sure. But if 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 uh, we might start, I think it's a bit too soon. But pretty soon, we we do want to start getting into membership stuff. Um, I feel like there was an announcement. I was supposed to make, but I think, I think we just want to help clean up these chairs now. So again, clean up, sweep up, put everything away.
Thanks for coming. Let's just close in prayer. Father, thank you for our time together in your word. And just pray now with, with uh, my brothers and sisters present that, um, that you would help us to live according to these things that we've been talking about, Father. Uh, that they wouldn't just be, um, you know, things that we've taught here that sit in a, a dusty closet on my bookshelf, even though they will sit on the bookshelf and uh, collect dust. But that these would be actually things that we live and do as a local church. And we ask that you would, would keep us on these things, that we would have a high view of you and that you would be ultimate, that your word would direct everything that we do, that we would minister to man according to who you say man is, that we would function as a church the way that you have called us to function and that we would be about our mission of making disciples and, uh, and, and seeing sinners saved and then seeing the saints grow in holiness We pray for leaders that we would have a a godly leadership as a local church and that you would raise up strong elders and, and qualified men to lead this church. And we pray that we would teach a, a sound and healthy doctrine that causes people to grow in Christ and to know you better. Uh, Father, we reckon, we realize that this is why we're here and we pray that you'd help us to do it in Jesus' name. Amen.